is What's Going On on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay tuned. We've got David Locke coming your way at 3.30. Our friend Barry Hecker will join us at 4. Keith Smith jumps on the show at 5. A lot of NBA basketball as it is. Game night uh, here for the Utah Jazz. They take on the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Uh, Tip-off coming your way a little after 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins. Tim Lacombe will be here, of course. Uh, Pre-game gets underway at 7. And, uh, I'm hoping uh, James Harden is questionable. I'm hoping he plays. I'd like to see yeah, him, you know. Just a quick question. Do you think Jazz fans, they obviously want to see the Jazz win, but would they rather these guys play? Or would they? are they glad that the guys, that the star players might not be available? Um, I, I would guess they'd rather see him play, rather see a good game, uh, see the stars. I've had this discussion with you in the past, Jake, and – it, it seems like a lot of Jazz fans just want the W, man. I'm sure they want to see their team win. Sure. Does it have to be a zero-sum game? Well, I mean, in in the, <laughs> the way I'm posing the question, yes, it's either or. Uh. So which one? Which one do you think it is? I I think they would rather have the Jazz. I I personally would rather see these guys play because then your team gets tested and then you get to see what 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 it really is. But I think most Jazz fans would rather have the W. But, but that's just from posing questions like this in the past. Does does winning uh, against the Nets tonight help or hurt their case to hold on to that one seed in the West? Mathematically, it hurts if they lose. So then getting a win tonight against the Scrubs is probably the best goal. I think most fans want to see a forfeit. (laughs) (laughs) Although, on the other hand, it might prepare them being able to go up against a really good team at full strength. Because that's what most fans watch games for is preparation for other games. (laughs) Yeah, they want the W. Uh, That's... Curious to me, but I they will say W. All right, let's uh, let's check in with DJ and PK in uh, their talk about the red hot Joe Ingles. Question of the day, Joe Ingles, what is going on? What is the deal with Joe Ingles right now? He is playing really well, and PK, you posted a question, and you're dealing with a little backlash now. You got people coming at you, which I know is really new for you. You've never you've never <laughs> dealt with that before. <laughs> You're just being scolded, though. This is different. This is people talking to you like you're your grandmother and you're wrecking the Sunday dinner for all 40 people who've gathered in the house that's been in the family in Jersey for 100 years. How could you? Man, you're really setting it up nice. Tony, of all people, PK, you should know that you don't talk about the no-hitter while it's in progress. If Joe starts to suck, this is on you. I don't buy it for a second. I stand by your side, PK. Enough with this jinx nonsense. Joe starts to suck while he missed some shots. Is that sucking? It's funny how we just boil it down. As much as we try to make the game intricate, we boil it down to the ball that goes in the basket for so many of the guys. Now, Gobert, obviously, is an exception. Uh, And you have some other exceptions, too. I think think people recognize Royce O'Neal now. 
Okay. He's there okay. to, yeah. he's there to match that. up. There, yeah. There's just I can't say it's every night, but there are too many nights where he takes the best, the, the biggest threat on the other team, and he guards that guy. And sometimes that guy is 6'2", and sometimes that guy is 6'10". And it's still, Royce, go get him. And he's also supposed to defensive rebound. You know, Gobert is the first priority to get the board. But if it's not him, then it's Royce. And I think fans are kind of locked into that. Yeah, but at the same time, if he misses a crucial shot in the closing minutes, yep. Yep. he's going to hear about it. So, But I agree with you largely of what you're saying. And there are players like that. Obviously, Rodman uh, would have been in that case. And I think that the traditional, which are not that many of point guards these days, there's just not that many of them, the, the Stockton pass first guy. I think Chris Paul, you just said it in the prior segment we just mm-hmm. had. He didn't score because nope. his role is not really to score. So people aren't going to crack on him as much if he's not scoring. But so much of it is judged by do the ball go in the basket. And Ingles, the three-point shooting, I mean, I'm not watching every game for sure by any stretch, but I'm watching every game of the Jazz, and the shooting is just, it's unconscious now. I, I, it's, I don't know that I've ever seen it like this, ever, by anybody. Uh, the other night when he was 5 of 6, and some of the shots were open and really in rhythm, and, and at that point I think a lot of fans have a lot of confidence that the ball is going in. But a couple of them, they were pretty well contested. It didn't bother Joe. He was in rhythm, he was locked in, and he just rose up and drained it. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's just amazing. It's fun to see. I mean, we like Joe, obviously. We developed a relationship with him. We're seven years into this thing. It's incredible. And so we're certainly going to root for him. I don't know that there's been a more popular jazz player ever to play in this community with all the things that he has done and and his uh, outgoing nature, his willingness to engage with fans. If you've seen him before games when fans are out there or, or whatever it might be. And he comes off, ironically enough, no pun intended, as a regular Joe. And he talks about that. And then with the autism and the connection there and the family, he loves to talk about Renee and the kids and people can identify with that. The identification factor between this man and the fans uh, is just incredible. The Joe Ingles story is just amazing. I mean, we've said this a thousand times, and now he's, he's ratcheted up. He is an integral part of a, the best team record-wise in the league. I mean, that is just amazing, man. You talk about Kevin Garnett with the anything is possible. Yeah, when you're seven feet tall and you have the skill like he has, anything is possible. <laughs> and so, you know, one millionth of one percent get to fall in that category. And Joe's tall, too. I mean, six seven obviously, is not super tall NBA-wise, but man on the street-wise it is. Uh, but to see where he was and where he's become and where he is now, it he ought to be giving Clarkson a run for his money for the sixth man award. He certainly is right now, and they don't have a thing for this, but if they had a the seventh man, he should win going away. <laughs> this, the seventh man a year. Are you the second best guy on your team coming off the bench? If so, apply now. Go to seventhmanoftheyear.com. <laughs> Role player of the year. <laughs> well, think about it, man. The seventh man of the year. Well, they right? don't. They this do. guy's incredible. All right, there's uh, DJ and PK. The thoughts on the Jazz overall, and then uh, talking specifically about Joe Ingles, who has been uh, playing 
the best basketball of his career as of late and certainly is shooting the ball well. 18 of his last 22, which over a three-game stretch, Gordon, has never happened in the NBA before with somebody taking at least 23. So, I mean, there's no doubt he's shooting the ball well. Uh, DJ and PK were talking about how folks judge a player if the ball is going through the hoop. But with Joe, it's just been so kind of like flinging it up there and watching it go in almost every time that uh, does make it extraordinary. And it, it is fun to watch. And if I were a member of the Jazz, I'd be finding ways to get him the ball and telling him to shoot until the darn thing stops dropping. You know, I, I'm a proponent of hitting the guy who's hot. And I, uh, and although the Jazz don't always do that. I like Joe's story. If I were the Jazz, I'd take a, a few players and really sell their story uh, when when going out and looking for future members of this team. I, I'd really sell the fact that, hey, our coaching staff identified this guy and coached him up to the point where, like uh, PK was saying, he's an integral part of the team. You know, yeah. uh, and you can tell others. You know, you can tell Royce O'Neal, George Niang, but I'm I'm going out there and I'm really selling that. And you can sell that to anybody, right? From a from a top prospect to a guy trying to play his way on the roster. Look, you come here and you buy into what we're sale, uh, we're what we're asking you to do. We're not only going to uh, to make you a better player, but we're going to use you if you earn it. I mean, I'm. It's it's. It's one of those things for a player to play their way up the roster, Gordon. It's another thing for a coaching staff and a franchise to allow that to happen in the first place. I remember, yeah, exactly. And that's that's what the Jazz have done. And uh, good for them. And now they're reaping the benefits of it. I remember talking to Joe about his experience playing uh, over in Spain. And he wasn't, he wasn't getting the opportunity he was hoping for at times. And uh, so he ends up getting that uh, opportunity with the Jazz after the Clippers said no, and uh, he blossoms. It, it, it is fun to watch, and and Joe is the kind of personality that makes it even more fun. And uh, the fans get a chance to hear him every single week. Good on Joe for doing that. I think it's benefited him. He may be one of the, the most well-liked Jazz players of all because he was smart enough and he had something to offer so we came on with DJ and PK, and th- th- that was a stroke of brilliance on his part. I think he also has the underdog thing going for him. <laughs> no, he is. I mean, players like that are easy to cheer for, right? Uh, no entitlement there. Um, you know, Joe, not to <clears throat> sound stereotypical or anything, but he doesn't look the part, right? So, you know, I think he's got that. Uh, he, he likes to, uh, you know, be animated and talk trash on the floor, and he's got all these things that make him endearing, I think, to fans. I, I agree with you. His accessibility and doing that show has, has been mutually beneficial for the station and for Joe. But there are a lot of things, I think, that make him kind of that popular player. He's one of those guys that the, the, the contract he signed, uh, I think, put him even more at ease. And sometimes when, when a player gets more money than he thought he was going to get, he, it creates pressure. But with Joe, it's kind of like, all right, I'm making more money. Didn't he call it stupid money? Mm-hmm. Didn't he say that? I'm making more money than I ever dreamed I was going to make playing this game that I love. And uh, what what's to lose? He, he's just out there relaxed and ready to go. And, 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 again, we are just like when we criticize Bogdanovich, we are complimenting Joe 
that it wasn't all that long ago that he had that rough go in the series against Houston. Remember that? Yep. And people wondered uh, that the Jazz needed more, more playmaking. And now look at him. He bounces back. He's relaxed. He's playing well. He's playing comfortable. He likes his teammates. His teammates like him. And he's having the time of his life, it looks like, as a player anyway. And it hasn't always been that way for Joe. Uh, free and easy as he is, uh, I remember writing his kind of his life story, and there were stretches when it, you know it cert- nothing was certain, and uh, he he's he's uh, traveled that road and and fought his way through. Good for him. It, it is a good story, like you said. I want to remind you about our friends at the store. They've got grab-and-go meals, hundreds of local products, and they're locally owned themselves. The store with two locations, 6200 South and 2050 East, or at the Gateway Mall right here in downtown Salt Lake City. Let's move on to Hanson Scotty. Those two gave their thoughts on the BYU quarterback race. Personally, you know, to a large extent, I've kind of felt like, oh, well, it's probably going to be Romney, would be my guess as a starter. And when I went back and watched... I think that Jaron Hall is much more in that competition than I – I'll just put it on me, that I've given him credit for. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Jaron find a way to sneak in and, and grab that starting position. Is this going to be settled this week, or is it going to be going – it'll go into the fall? It'll definitely go into fall. That, that would be my thought, too, because obviously you want to keep all the guys – you don't want anybody to transfer. You want to keep the thought and the hope of everybody um, having the ability to start. And But I, I am kind of curious to know when fall camp rolls around, who's getting the majority of the snaps out of the game. Yeah, and it, I think this will definitely leak into the fall. And, and I don't think that Conover is completely out of the question. I um, my, my guess is Conover is probably in that third position right now. And Soljay is probably a little bit behind him, but th- that's just based off of the film that I've seen and what I know of these guys. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of taking a flyer on this thing. So I I would guess that Jaron Hall would probably, right, you know, right out of the gates in fall camp, Jaron Hall's probably going to put some pressure on on Romney for that starting position. When I watch the two play, and I'm thinking, uh, this is purely, purely me thinking as an offensive coordinator. I feel like I can do more with Jalen Hall than I can with Baylor Romney. Yeah. Athleticism's crazy with him. If he's healthy. If he's healthy, yeah. Um, and the question is, can he stay healthy too? Right. We know that he's, uh, he's wound up really tight. He's built like a very tightly wound athlete. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to people, but there are certain athletes that it's almost like their muscle structure and their their physical build is too exaggerated for their joints to handle. Luke Staley was the perfect example of that. Like just he just had muscle that was bound over these joints that it just he always felt like he was overpowering, and and that's how. Jaron Hall is. He's a very, very strong built athlete, but you're always feeling like, man, I, I hope he can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, but the, the good news is, is I do feel like uh, BYU has somewhat of an answer to fill that quarterback position. 
All right, there you go. Hanson Scotty uh, talking about uh, that open slot at quarterback down there for BYU. I do agree with them. I don't think they'll make a decision. Maybe they'll hint at a leader to kind of give some structure to uh, the summer workout program. But, I mean, I think they'll they'll relish the competition into fall camp, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know if I'm confident that that position is in good hands quite yet just because I guess we haven't seen it. Maybe that's a weak opinion, but, you know, that's such a – quarterbacks, it, it's such a hit-or-miss thing sometimes. Well, big shoes to fill. That's for sure. So is one of these guys going to be the one that's going to win games for BYU against a tough schedule this fall? I, I don't I don't know the answer to that either, Jake. I think you are smart to be cautious with it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Jaron Hall, terrific athlete. Uh, but I'll tell you, the times I've seen Conover throw the football, he looks good to me. I mean, I, I, I'm no, I'm no expert as far as being there and seeing everything that's going on. But the times I've seen him throw the ball, I said, "Hey, that number seventeen can wing it." I wonder if, if coach, how Coach Shataki will ultimately make this decision, and Coach Roderick for that matter too. Are they going to go the direction of, of say, Kyle Whittingham, who usually errs on the side of, you know, quarterbacks that aren't going to lose the game? Or are they going to go on potential? I mean, starting Zach Wilson as a freshman ter- certainly took some, you know. Uh, um, they took a risk by doing that, right? So it's not like they haven't done it before. But you know, how do they go? They've got some some players there that have played in Romney, Romney and Hall that that you know can win football games. But I mean, do you think that Romney can develop in or Hall for that matter? Maybe the answer is yes. I don't know. But do you think they can develop into a, a Zach Wilson like quarterback? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, because I didn't think Zach, I didn't know whether Zach could uh, turn into Zach, you know. So I have to see these guys on the field. I need more evidence before. But but I think they're all gifted quarterbacks, and and uh, Jaron Hall in particular is just a terrific athlete. Uh, but but who's the best quarterback? Who's the best thrower? Uh, I need I need more more information before I can draw that conclusion. Uh, but. But I think it was it was it uh, Hans that said uh, they're in good hands at quarterback. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I'm with you. I, I have to see it. I have to see it before I believe it. And you know, Romney had some nice moments when he filled in. But uh, I last year in his uh, sort of fill-in role, uh, late in games, I it, it didn't really show all that much, did he? Yeah, but he's beaten Boise State. Yeah. So I guess I'm saying I don't know, but uh, I, well, I think he's good enough. I, I to, that's what I'm saying. Those... He's good enough to win games for you. But what what's the standard? You know, are they going right. to be? They're going to roll the dice and say, okay, well, we're going to play the young guy who maybe has more potential, but he's also could make the mistake to lose some games. Or are you going to go with somebody like Baylor Romney, who absolutely has proven he can win football games? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't base it so much on that. I would base it on who looks like the best quarterback to me in all the sessions. You know, do you, do you disagree with me on that? I, I'm not even that interested in going back and looking at the film from a couple of years ago. I, I'm I'm looking at him now, saying, okay, how does this guy, how does this guy run the offense right now? How is he doing it? And it will spill over into the fall. And they're going. How's he? How, what kind of leadership is he showing? What kind of judgment is he showing? 
uh, and has anything is anything better or worse than it was uh, from previous seasons. Uh, well, yeah. sometimes you're I, and I, don't know, I do know this that Aaron Roderick is not going to be conservative with the offense. You know, I I just don't think that's going to happen. He's had enough of that. He's had enough of that in his past. And I'm not speaking specifically of BYU, but I I think he is committed to opening up the offense. And they do have some nice athletes to carry the ball for them, but he's going to open up that offense. And whichever one of those guys can can, uh, go with that flow with a wide-open offense, he's going to be the one that gets the call. Unless they building for the future, like when Kyle picked Tyler Huntley over Troy Williams. So there's different criteria depending on where your team is at. So sometimes it's not necessarily the guy who's the best right now. Well, I would go with the guy who is the best right now. That's what I would do. With the schedule they're going to face this fall, Yeah, you better get the guy who is in the best shape to win now. David Locke joins the show next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Spinning wheels, spinning true. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk some jazz basketball with David Locke coming up uh, coming up here momentarily. Get David's thoughts on uh, how the jazz are playing right now. Thoughts on uh, Bogdanovich, who's been a hot topic of conversation uh, today. And certainly get his thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, David may be higher on the Brooklyn Nets than anybody I've heard in the media. I'm not saying that sarcastically. David just... He thinks that uh, their offense is, is going to be so good that uh, the rest of the league might as well stop playing. Maybe not the version that's going to go tonight, but uh, the one when they're all put back together again. Yeah, he uh, he's pretty high on them. And, and uh, you know, David uh, knows basketball backwards and forwards, certainly, but I just don't know if you can get away with playing zero defense. I mean, like we like we talked about previously, and maybe I'm totally wrong, and that Brooklyn is going to be so dominant offensively, it truly won't matter that they're the worst team in the league defensively. I just don't know I'm, if I'm there. Do you think they might be able to ratchet it up a tad bit when the games really count? Defensively? No, mm-hmm. not really. So they're, they're just cast in stone that way. We're going to outscore you. I think so. And it's not yeah. that they're all bad defenders, but, I mean, James Harden's had plenty of ratcheted-up moments in his career. <laughs> uh, so uh, is Kyrie see, Irving, I, for that matter. I think a guy like that, I think both those guys can play better defense than they typically do. I think it's a matter of effort. Well, what uh, about their entire careers makes you think that they're all of a sudden <laughs> going to give you the effort that you think has been missing? <laughs> Uh, maybe when a championship is on the line, it would be more willing to give. It has been on the line for both of them at times in their career. Yeah, I know. But they probably have played better defense on occasion. In fact, doesn't James Harden have the reputation of completely not showing up in Game 7s? <laughs> and just not even getting on the bus? Didn't that happen a few years in a row in Houston? I I'm not I know that happened once, but I'm not sure that's the norm. In the game they miss seven? like twenty seven three. Yeah, or yeah, something? and it happened like three years in a row. <laughs> okay, I. I but this time is good. different. It could be. Yeah. Could be. Especially when he's got that kind of partnership with others who don't play defense. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just don't think it can happen. I think it can happen. I think you're selling them a little short. Well, anything can happen, Gordon. But I, I don't know. Like I said, name me an NBA championship team that uh, didn't play any defense. It just has never happened. So, sure, it can happen, but we've just never seen it happen. But, again, the question is, can this team play better defense than they typically do? Okay, so can they be worse than the – or best – better <laughs> – excuse me, Gordon, I'm sorry. Can they be better than the worst defensive team in the league? Sure. Yes. Can they be middle of the road defensively? No. <laughs> okay. So instead of um, 30th, can they be 15th? <laughs> no. Can they can be 25th? Be, be tw- sure. <laughs> can they be 20th? I don't know. Splitting hairs at this point. Can they yeah. be good enough to go get stops when they have to in the playoffs when the game's on the line against really other really good offenses? All I know is uh, based on what we saw when the Jazz went back to play, then that's uh, in Brooklyn. It was not a pretty picture because Kyrie Irving uh, darn near took him apart by himself. He did. But that was also a completely different team than the team we're going to see today. It's true. But some people think this team is better. Well, you remember Jared Allen took him apart that night, too, and he's not on the yeah, team Yeah, he anymore. did. That is true. So, I mean, I don't think DeAndre Jordan's doing that to the Jazz tonight. I certainly don't think Jeff Green's doing that to Jazz tonight. And I know Blake Griffin actually dunked a basketball the other day, but I certainly don't think he's doing it either. Did you get a push notification from ESPN about that, by the way? No. Oh, yeah. Got a big old, uh, uh, of course I had my phone on loud and the baby was asleep and bing, 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 bing. I'm like, what the hell? And I look at ESPN, <laughs> Griffin Dunks in Nets debut. <laughs> what? I don't have the ESPN app on my phone. I don't ad- anymore. Admittedly. Yeah, that yeah. was the night it ended. I don't want that mouse anywhere near my personal information. <laughs> And Are you Randy Marsh? Particularly if they're sending out push notifications like that. Right. I, uh, that That's an automatic uh, uninstall right there. It was also the same night that uh, the Athletic app malfunctioned and at midnight resent all of their push notifications for the day. Oh, good. I got 23 <laughs> in five minutes from the Athletic app at midnight. I love the Athletic, but that might be an un- automatic uninstall. They, they sent an email and said, sorry, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> sorry. But ESPN's like, yep. Blake Griffin, we feel it's time to alert you. (laughs) I tell you. Now, if, you know, somebody else out there unlikely dunks a basketball, you know, if uh, if Tom Thibodeau dunked the basketball, then by all (laughs) means, send out a a push notification. But Blake Griffin, uh, no, I don't need that. I don't need that at all. Did you see Tibbs dunk? <laughs> Go ahead and alert me. Go ahead yeah. and let me know. Because I want to see that. All 85-year-old Tom Thibodeau and his 300 pounds with lift stuffed at Five, home. 5'2", 300. Checked himself into the game to dunk the basketball. Here's how it's done, boys. Send me the push notification. Good thing they're not covering the uh, jazz dunk team. You know, uh, uh, yeah. Have we had the jazz dunk team this year? I don't think we have. No, I'm, I'm trying to know. try. I know I'm I'm here for all the games, and you'd think I'd know right off the top of my head, but maybe maybe it's a COVID thing. I don't think we've seen them yet this year. Maybe I'm not sure the, the NBA would let them on the court. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's exactly what it is. Because right even there. like the in-game uh, uh, games they do, it's up here in a different room. Well, even even us, uh, you know, who work in the building on a daily basis on game days, we're not allowed anywhere near the first floor. Right. So you know what? That's that's exactly what it is. Lost. 
very perceptive of you. There, that's a level red down there. Right. And if you uh, get into level red, I'm pretty sure you have to get tested daily at least. Uh, in fact, uh, I know that, that uh, Jazz Brass is getting tested daily and they're allowed down there. Are you feeling a little left out, Jay? No. <laughs> no, I'm fine up here in our little cave. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I don't need to add complication to my life like getting tested every day. That doesn't That doesn't seem awesome. So they give it the, the, the deep, you know, nasal no. treatment? No. Because that's – I remember the first time I heard about that was when Donovan Mitchell was talking about it, and he said it was not pleasant. No, I, I've actually been tested through the, uh, the the same folks that test the jazz team because uh, thanks to a producer, you know, I, uh, I felt it uh, probably a good idea to go down there and get swabbed. And uh, it's it's very easy. I mean, they just do a few swirls in the old nostril and then uh, take it off for it, no longer do you get the brain scrape, which uh, I think was honestly going way back to the the uh, what the players agreed to for the bubble. I think that was one of their things where you got to figure out a better way to test us because we're not getting the brain scrape once a day. Do you think that uh, fans, do they feel isolated from the team? because of this whole thing in any way that is palpable or do you think to them, oh, okay, I'm watching the games, the few who get in and I'm watching the games on TV and I'm hearing the interviews, even though they're done a little differently now, do you think they feel any kind of disconnect at all? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not like frustrating that. for some of the guys in the media, some of the people in the media, because, you know, I mean, like we, when we talked to Bowler on Tuesday, he was like, uh, let's see, I haven't seen Boyan in a year. <laughs> that's really weird, but that's just the way it is. I mean, David Locke would certainly have an opinion on this because he, he talks about it quite a bit, and David had a little more access than your average media member. If we were talking to David right now, we could ask him about it. But And I have no doubt that David's broadcast, um, I don't want to say suffers because he still is doing a really good job. I th- I still think it sounds good, but is his uh, is it easier to bring a better broadcast with the access and and being with the team and those sorts of things? Yeah, but I don't think it's leading to some overall fan disconnect. I'd be surprised if that were the yeah, case. Yeah, I uh, I would the guess the fans appreciate the coverage and actually considering that uh, they didn't get to watch any of the playoffs last year in person or and it was in the middle of August and. All that sort of stuff. I'd guess fans are just stoked that it's happening. Yeah. And the ones that can get in the building are, are stoked to watch a game in person. There's perspective with everything these days, isn't it? I mean, they're just happy to be able to watch some games. Yep. As they should be. Yep. Exactly. And whatever you got to do to pull it off uh, in this time, you know, that's been my kind of been my uh, thoughts from the beginning. Whatever you got to do, make it happen. Yep. Exactly. And if we have to jump through a few hoops, then so be it. Although. Admittedly, some have to jump through more than others. But I'll tell you what, I still have to fill out a survey on a Dern app every day to get into the building, so that's a lot of fun. How long does that take you? Ah, it's not that bad. I'm just complaining for complaining's sake, to be honest. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and and do, you, uh, do you get the whole shakedown coming in? They uh, no longer do temperatures. No, no, they don't. Um, no, I mean, shakedown, it's really, it's not that bad. And and shout out to, to Jazz uh, Security and that sort of thing, or the Vivid Arena Security. They've they've got it down to a pretty well-oiled machine. But heaven forbid you make the wrong answer on that survey. Then you're going to get strip searched. <laughs> I did that one day. 
it, it had to it, we had to go all the way to the head of security yeah. to get me in the building. Yeah. I'm not what, what, mis- what mistake did you make? There's two questions, and you you have a yes, I have, or no, I haven't. If you misread it or you get fat thumbed and you hit the wrong bubble and submit without double checking, there's no going back. Guys with hazmat suits appear as if from nowhere. That's right. And next thing you know, you've uh, you're in like an alien spacecraft, nude, uh, un- strapped to a table. <laughs> Unmarked vans just screech up to the curb and hang- yank you in, and off you go. No, it's it's not that bad. But yeah, you, you have to make sure you take the time to answer those questions correctly. Oh, I do friend. every time, every day. I double check that thing before I hit submit because yeah, I've, Austin's not the only person I've heard of, and and we're making the jokes, of course. But yeah, they they take it very seriously if you do not uh, uh, answer those screening questions properly. If you're an employee, obviously, if you're a, a fan, it's a little bit different coming to the games. But for us, we have to take a survey every day on an app just to get into the building. How many are they letting in these days? You know, thirty-two thousand. <laughs> Little high. I don't know, honestly, Gordon. I think Austin. I think the last number I saw was fifty-six hundred, but I, I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I'd have to make sure on the number. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not sure. It's it's way less than fifty percent. I wonder if uh, if that number will go up as time goes by. Here, I just, everyone get vaccinated, man. So that uh, so that things can get back that way, that would be nice. Just my little editorial comment. Sorry. All right, stay tuned. We'll have a market update coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. You make me so very happy. I'm so glad you came into my life. Time for a market update on the big show. Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's brought to you each and every day by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how the old markets do today? Well, I wish I had better news, but uh, it's a little bit like predicting uh, when Boyan Bogdanovich might start to make his shots again. Don't hold your breath. The S&P today, fellas, was off 21 points. Knock it off with that already. The NASDAQ, which had been suffering a bit lately, was down 2% off 20, I'm sorry, 266 points. It's just silly. And the Dow was just off three points. That is buffoonery. Not a good day. All right. Hey, Gordon, uh, Larry Kraskoviak has released a statement and uh, thought we'd read it on the show here. But I, I'm curious if uh, what stood out to Austin and me stands out to you, okay? All right. All right. <clears throat> here we go. Thank you to the state of Utah, the city of Salt Lake, and the university community for a wonderful decade up here on the Hill. I'm very fortunate to have met and worked with so many amazing people during my time here. I'm grateful to have forged many lifelong relationships and forever thankful for each and every one of them. To our players, thank you for believing in us and setting a culture of excellence on and off the court, which I couldn't be more proud of. It was an absolute privilege and an honor to be your coach. To our staff, Thank you for your commitment to this program, the university, and your unwavering love and support for our student-athletes. Last but not least, would like to, th- like to thank Dr. Hill for believing in me and our mission. Utah is always, 
or excuse me, will always hold a special place in our hearts, and we will be cheering for the running Utes with love and respect. Larry Kraskoviak. Well, there doesn't seem to be a mention there of the current athletic director. <laughs> you noticed that, huh? Yeah. We, we noticed that, too. Yeah. Last yeah. but not least, that Dr. Hill. What a stuff. Who, who gave me an obscene contract. Thank you, Chris Hill. And I won't thank anybody else. Nobody else to thank. <laughs> Nobody. Not thanking yeah. anybody else. Just Dr. Hill. Yep. Oh. Uh, Nothing against Mark Harlan. And I don't know him or Chris Hill from Adam. But I love good revenge. Hey, there was it's that tasty. there was that controversy, resign or fired or whatever, and Mark Harlan was definitely like, "Oh yeah, he's fired." That's right. <laughs> See this key card of his I'm holding. We had security escort him out of the building. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Larry Kraskoviak should send Chris Hill a hefty check every year for the rest of his life pay chris hill some tithing hey, is what you're thanks, going with dr him. hill what more does he need to do say thank you right there in the statement he that contract said, that contract he gave larry was was crazy and he was properly thanked <laughs> not everybody was thanked well like anybody in a position of leadership uh, mark carlin has ruffled some feathers up there uh, among some people and some people love him and some people don't like him at all so that's just that's part of the business i guess when you're when you're the boss i suppose so but anyway larry k uh loving dr hill loving his experience at the u loving his players and that's it end of statement the same the same thing that's true of chris hill there were people up there who couldn't stand Chris Hill and others who liked him. So, I mean, I guess it comes with the territory to some extent. Can I ask you another question? This one I've, I've often wondered. Maybe you have a, an explanation for me. Sure. Why do coaches always say we? Like in this statement, Larry Kraskowiak says we like 15 times, but then signs at Larry Kraskowiak. Who is we? I hear these coaches all the time saying, well, when we got to – Utah State, we had a tough job ahead of us. You know you know what I'm saying? You always hear coaches say we. Who are they talking about? Who is we? Do you have a mouse in your pocket? I, yeah. I, I don't know who he's specifically referring to. It could be him and his wife. It could be him and his assistant coaches. It, it it's not. And by the way, it's not him just him. And his imaginary invisible rabbit. It's not just Larry Kraskoviak by any means. Like, it's yeah. pretty much every coach. You know, when we got to BYU, we did this and this and that. I just don't know who we is. I, I've, I've thought about the wife thing, or husband, I suppose, but are they coaching the team? What do you mean, we? And then the staff, you say we, meaning staff, but yet how many staff members do you fire on a yearly basis? Like, which staff are you talking about? It's just the nice thing since, to say. Since Andy Ludwig came alone from Vanderbilt and didn't bring anybody with him, can he say we? You've used we before when you meant you. When? I'm sure you have. Come on. Everybody does that one level or another, don't they? When you write a, a column in the Trib, do you say, wow, we wrote one hell of a column today? Not usually, but I have said we, the kind of the collective we. Uh, I have used that before, not often, but sometimes. But now I'll never be able to shake the idea that Coach Kraskoviak had a little mouse in his a little mouse right there that was giving him advice. 
This is Who wants a mouse Bu- in the two three. This is Nobody Buster, my that. mouse. <laughs> when we got to Utah. <laughs> Would you want a mouse gnawing away in your pocket? But listen to coaches, they say we all the time when they're talking about their careers, and I just don't I just don't know who we is. Yeah, but I've heard individuals say we when they're talking about me. I haven't. You know? When? Give me an example. Oh, no, I've heard that. No, I, give me some context. Because people, uh, some people are hesitant to use the I thing. I, 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 I. You know, so they spread it out a little bit. I still have, I don't, I, I can't think of an example. Oh, uh, I, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it many times. I've, I've said it. I don't have one for you right, right handy, but. I have an example. When my, my take on fireworks, that if one firework goes off after 11 p.m., we go through the streets with tanks. But you're alluding to like a, like a fictional mob of some sort, like, like your cohorts. Fictional as far as you know. Yeah, right. You're actually referring to multiple people, I fiction see. or not. It's not just me? It's not just you. Okay. Now, if it were just you, you would have said I. <laughs> okay. Or I'm unstable yeah, but, enough to but, think but, of that but in never, the first place. Never have I, you know, somebody asked me after the show, said, hey, how was your show today? Oh, we did great. Well, I guess if I were actually referring to the whole show, maybe. Look at you telling but on that's, yourself uh, there. But that's uh, we as in the collective, right? I'm actually referring to other people. Who who are these coaches referring to? That's all I'm asking. He's probably referring to himself, but he uses the we because people do that, Jake. I can't believe you've never heard no, this before. No, they don't. When talking yeah, about they themselves, do. they say that's we. That's right. No, yes. they don't. Stop it. Yes, they do. You can't even think of an example. I've done it myself. When? When I read the column. I've said, we think this. It was really me. I think this. I've done that before, and I've heard a zillion people do that in, in various settings. Well, then that's misleading because you're, you're implying that a group of people believe something when that's not true. Well, maybe. You're probably not the only one who thinks it. <laughs> this is a weird I'm you're so interpreting confused. This, you're interpreting I'm this so way confused. too literally. It's not so literal. So when you say, uh, when you write in a column and you're talking about Donovan Mitchell having a good game and you say, we think Donovan Mitchell had a good game, you're just referring to you. Not usually. I don't usually use it, but uh, I have used it before. And so I've heard other people do it. Where's the AP style guide on this? I don't think there is a style guide on that. It's just up to Yeah, you. there is. Use it's it when you're you referring want. to the singular, you say I. And when you're reviewing <laughs> to multiple people, you say we. Now, see, you know, Austin, how often do you hear Jake complain about me interpreting things too literally? That's exactly what this, you're doing right now. This is this is pretty weird from all all three of our viewpoints. This is so this is so unimportant. <laughs> but but he makes a good point that, that he starts the statement out with an I and then it ends with a we and R. And then signed Larry Krishkovia. Yeah, so it's that if if there had been a, a PR person involved in that statement, I think it would have been rewritten. But Sven yeah, says we know what they meant. Sven says maybe it's like when fans talk about their team, we need to play better defense. I don't know, but no, because when fans do that, they're putting themselves on the team, team which would mean a collective group of people. Well, maybe he was speaking for more than just himself in some of the contexts. See, the way you're talking about it, it would be we need to play better defense as in a play. Like if Donovan Mitchell was talking about his own defense, like 
hey, in my matchup, we just need to play better on Kyrie Irving. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but people do that No, they don't. Jake. No, they don't. I've heard it. But even if, if they do or they don't, you know what they mean. Like, you know what Larry Kraskoviak's talking about here. But it's not, well, it's all coaches. Listen to coaches talk about This is like the this. fight I had with my seventh grade French teacher. You know what I'm talking about if I say ill instead of L. But like when I talk about when I got hired here at the zone, I don't say when we got hired at the zone. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've known people who talk like that. I drove to work by myself today. I don't say when we drove to work today. That doesn't make any sense. We started at the bottom, now we're here. More next. Barry Hecker joins the show. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.